Welcome to the Cornerstone Truth New Creation Podcast. Each week we'll explore fundamental truths about the genuine love of Christ being manifest through His people, the Church. During these studies, we will discover that the sincere love of Christ flows from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. This is the goal of our instruction, and we are so thankful you're listening today. I had this fun fun this morning at uh, before Bible class. We got to sing a song I used to sing when I was a uh, long time ago when I was a young man. And uh, uh, how about I got a river of life flowing out of me? How many? Do you know that one, Julie? You don't know that one, Julie? Man, Julie, I know what we're doing tomorrow night at College Age Group. <laughs> we're learning some of them old songs. All right. How many know I got a river of life flowing out of me? All right. It's really easy, Julie. You'll learn it. You'll learn it. And really? Okay. So tomorrow night we're teaching this song. Okay. You ready? I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. Opens prisons, doors, let those captives free. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Spring up, oh well. Goosh, goosh, within my soul. Spring up, oh well. Splish, splash, it make me whole. Spring up, oh well. Goosh, goosh, it give to me that life abundantly. Here we go, fast now. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Makes lame to walk and the blind to see. Opens prison doors, let those captives free. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Spring up, oh well. Gush, gush within my soul. Spring up, oh well. Splash, splash, and make me whole. Spring up, oh well. Gush, gush, and give to me that life abundantly. All right, good. Excellent job. Thank you very much. Wow. i tell you what. So if you were smiling, you guys are smiling. Wow, some of you even look like you're having fun. This is a great... I think I'm going to have Brad cut that piece out. Why? Put it on the video for Can We Can Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, uh, it, where, where, is, uh, where is your husband? Is he? Well, really, you think? Okay. All right, well, I'm just saying, maybe he should, maybe he should invite Mike Ferguson to listen in this morning. Might be interesting. All right. Uh, Bible class teachers, thank you. Thank you each so much for the investment you are making in the lives of our children and young adults. And I can say amen and amen. Oh, Bible class teachers and assistants. Sorry about that. Don't want to leave anybody out. There you go. That's good. Mrs. Parks. What? Oh, come on. Wow, I can't believe that. I'm sure glad we're not going around the world live or anything like that. All right, Mrs. Parks, thank you for doing the money stuff. I probably wrote this one. You are so kind because you don't have to let Mr. Compton do it. No, I'm, no I, I added that part. You are so kind. You have a marvelous personality. Can I get an amen on that one? That was pretty weak sauce, but that's okay. <laughs> Bill Compton, thank you for always reminding us to seek first the king, God's kingdom and for example of perseverance. Amen. Mrs. Compton, 
You have such an amazing husband. No, I'm kidding. I have that one. Hey, Mrs. Compton, you're such a kind personality. You are so sweet. Thank you for everything that you do. I can say amen to that one, too. All right. Uh, let's see. Ryan Compton, you are a true blessing to me and Christ's body. Keep on being awesome and growing that mullet. There you go. Woohoo! Yeah, give it up for Ryan. Man, tell anyone. So uh, it's kind of funny. Uh, Jeff Gerlinger was giving Ryan a hard time this morning about uh, a throwback to the 80s, back to the future in the 80s. And uh, I was thinking, you know, with those glasses, you kind of do look like an 80s guy. So there you go. All right. Uh, Kirk Cameron, kind of. That's what I'm kind of thinking. There you go. Miss Jamie, you you are a great you are a great Bible class teacher. I love your hugs. That's a good one. All right, Jeff Drillinger, uh, I'll, I'm going to give this one to him, but you got to know this is a great one. Jeff Drillinger, please know my love and prayers are with you and your family for comfort and strength uh, in your loss. I mean, that guy is an awesome guy. How can I get an amen on that one? He's an amazing, amazing man. Uh, Mrs. Kirkpatrick, you have such a nice smile. You have a wonderful, shining personality. Can I get an amen on that one? That's, a, that's great. That's awesome. All right, Desi. This is for you. Desi, you are such a nice young lady. You are so fun to be around. Who wrote this? And Do they know her that well? <laughs> oh, wow, that's great. Hey, when's your birthday, by the way? <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> it's uh, two weeks and four hours. and Okay, anyway. All right, I was having too much fun. Uh, tonight, we'll have evening assembly here at 6 o'clock. And we're going to continue working through First Timothy. Monday, yes, we will have uh, the young college age or the college age uh, Bible study at our place starting at 545. And uh, or Wednesday and Thursday night. Are you, you doing anything on Thursday night other than Thanksgiving? Good. Me too. And uh, so Wednesday night, we're going to have at my house. And uh, if you show up, great. And if you don't show up, I'll still think you're incredible because there's a lot of stuff that needs to get done before Thanksgiving. But we're going to be live, so uh, uh, turn us on, and that would be fantastic. Uh, and here it is. Drum roll, please. Oregon Family Camp. Last three days in February 2021. It's 26th, 27th, and 28th. Oregon Family Camp will occur. What that looks like. Who knows? But it will happen, and uh, so we're excited about that. And I already got this year's theme, but I'm not telling you what it is. You'll have to wait until the first of the year. So anyway, so uh, family camp coming up. Oh, Matt, by the way, Matt Kaikula, Jennifer Kaikula, if you're watching, the uh, uh, theme that I gave to you guys was wrong. I've changed my mind. <laughs> and so... Uh, Anyway, I've repented. I've changed my mind. Oh, oh, thank you, Miss Jamie, and I have been. Uh, um, what's that word when you are conniving, inspiring, conniving? I like conniving a little bit better. Uh, we are gonna. Whenever Miss Jamie's here on Sunday, she's gonna have her camera with her, and we're gonna be taking family photos. 
we tried to do that family photo thing and the COVID thing all kind of went crazy. So every Sunday, she's going to be here with the camera and we'd love to get your family, uh, your updated family photo. Your family photo is great, but man, your boys are little and that ain't the case now. So, <laughs> hey dad, are you shorter than your 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 firstborn? How how much taller are you than your firstborn? Like half an inch? I know. Can I have you two stand up just real quick? Please, please, come on. Come on, Alden, please stand up. What, you think he might be taller than you today and he wasn't yesterday? <laughs> yeah, and you know, I I after how many years was it? Was it three years? Two years? I'm embarrassed to say. It took me three years to get your your uh your uh, antler trophy mount done. And so when I brought it over to him what last week and he he was sitting down, I brought it over and he was getting up and I'm going like this one. <laughs> and then he moved towards me. <laughs> How much do I owe you? Nothing. <laughs> wow, that's great. So, stop feeding those kids. <laughs> You're trying? <laughs> There's three, there's four of them and only one of you. Yeah. yeah, all right. Well, enough fun. We're going to get right into, the, right into the scriptures. Anyway, I'll tell you what. The scripture says rejoice in the Lord always. Amen? Amen. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. That's in the scriptures. Now, do we have examples of men and women rejoicing the Lord always? Yes or no? It's all over the place. And it's not just in the fun times. It's all the time. And we really need to have the mindset of Christ. And I pray this morning as we work through the scriptures that we'll get the mindset of Christ. Because the mindset of Christ will produce the faith of Christ, the manifestation of his very character in this world. So grab your Bibles, turn to the book of Acts in chapter 3. And again, remember, we are in a time of refreshing, a time of restoration, where we are being restored to the original design that God has for mankind, created in his image, able to walk as he walked. In the book of Acts in chapter 3, beginning in verse 17, Peter says, and now, brethren, I know that you acted in ignorance, just as your rulers did also. But the things which God announced beforehand by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Therefore, repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send Jesus the Christ appointed for you, whom heaven must receive until the period of restoration of all things, about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from ancient time. And I want you to look at one Bible verse in the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 13. I want you to take a look at, at 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 13. But now faith, hope, love abide, these three. But the greatest of these 
is love. Let's pray. Our holy God in heaven, we come before you in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, and we ask this morning that you would help us to begin this, this final last leg of our, our study of uh, the power of presence, literally the power of your presence in our lives. Not only the power of your presence in our lives to set us free from the burden of sin and to give us the power to live a holy and blameless life before you, pleasing you in every respect, but Father, as important that we would manifest the very character of your son, Jesus Christ, as we, we wear and bear his name. Oh, Father, we know that we have been crucified with Christ. We know that the old man was crucified. The new man is Christ in us. The hope, the confident, joyful expectation of a transformation from glory to glory. How thankful we are, Father, for that. And we would pray Father, that you would help us to realize just how powerful that message is, that gospel of glory lived out by faith in our lives. It's the message that we see lived out in the life of Christ in the gospels. And it's the message of a life that draws people, all people unto you. And so, Father, help us to see that in these last few lessons that we'll do in uh, 2020, Father, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Who would have known last year when we did Oregon Family Camp and I, I introduced and many of the people that come from far and wide were introduced to the concept of presence, the power of presence, the power of his presence and the power of our knowing that we are present with him in the heavenly places. And you know, it was just a few weeks after that that all of a sudden 2020 changed drastically. And we we're all told that we had to wear masks. This is one of my new ones that I got. Do you like it? I like it a lot. So isn't that nice? Uh, and uh, <clears throat> that we couldn't be, we couldn't be, we had to be socially distant. I don't know about you, but I don't like the whole concept of socially distant. It's kind of like being emotionally distant. Do you know that, uh, that domestic violence has gone up dramatically since the shutdown and everybody's got a hunker in their bunker kind of thing. And, and uh, you know, there's been some silver linings, but there's been a lot of emotional trauma. Suicide has gone up. You see, we need to recognize and understand that God designed us to be present in each other's lives. And I appreciate all those folks that come online and, and we are present right now together, but, but, and face to face and eyeball to eyeball, but it's not the same. God designed us in 3D, three dimensions, not two. So there's, there's, there's something that goes on with that two-dimensional view that you don't get the whole being. There's something about being emotionally present and you can see it and feel it in being together. Satan hates the idea of being present with God. Satan hates the idea of you and I being present together. You know, some of the sweetest things that I see every Sunday morning is when the saints are conversing before and after assembly. Honestly, I think that's some of the best time. 
It says to encourage one another and spur one another on towards love and good deeds and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And it's a sweet blessing to remember the sacrifice of Christ. Don't get me wrong. I believe that's why we're here, to remember that Jesus Christ laid it all down for you and I and he calls us to lay it all down for other people as we're going to see this morning. But I want to share with you that I believe it's a satanic plan to separate people, to keep families apart. I believe it's a satanic plan to, to divide the church. Now, you may not agree with that, but I believe that with all my heart. That guy hates the truth. He hates the church. And he knows that his time is limited. And that he's going to be thrown into the lake of fire. And he doesn't want anybody to make it to heaven. He wants to take everybody with him. My prayer is that you would recognize and understand that fact. And my theme for next year... 2021 is going to address that whole issue of what his plan is and what God's plan is. And I don't know about you, but I'm going with God's plan. And so this morning, as we take a look at this, I want you to look once again at some of the scriptures we've looked at in the last couple of weeks, but I really want you to get locked on. Love is the greatest of these three amazing influencers in our life. Faith is a powerful influence on our life and our life in other people's lives. Our hope is a powerful influencer, not only in our lives, but in the lives of others. I did an experiment this morning and y'all felt prey to my experiment. You know, my experiment was at the beginning of Bible class is to do one of those fun songs that are truthful to see what the response would be. And there was smiling and people were clapping and doing all that stuff. And the ones that weren't weren't clapping, they were smiling. I think they were laughing at me because I didn't know exactly what I was doing. Okay. And then this morning, same thing. See, the devil hates joy. The devil hates freedom. I'm pushing back. Love pushes back. I love the brethren. I love you. I love people who are not yet in Christ. And I want to show them the hope, the joyful expectation of what God has for his people. When Paul was in prison, what did he do? In the worst place in that prison, he was singing and praising God, rejoicing. And so, brethren, I just pray that as we work through these last few lessons, you'll see how powerful love is in drawing people out of darkness into his marvelous light. Let's begin this morning. Point number one, the influencing factors of faith and hope. Faith and hope in Christ touches hearts. It really does. When someone has the faith of Christ Jesus, people are drawn to that. Notice, when wherever Jesus went, he drew crowds. And we know it wasn't because he was he was super handsome or or you know super you know dynamic and charismatic. He loved people. He walked by faith according to the standard of God's word. And so let's take a look here. The faith of Christ. Faith of Christ. In Galatians in chapter 2, verse 15 through 20. The faith of Christ. My prayer is that you've gone back and seen that's possessive. They should have translated Christ's faith. So in, in Galatians chapter 2, beginning in verse 15, remember the context. 
Paul here is addressing the, the Christians in the churches of Galatia, and many of them are moving back to Judaism. Just as you said, Ben, I would agree. Jeff did a great job this morning. He wasn't speaking law at any level. He was speaking faithfulness at every level. And so notice what we have here. The Apostle Paul is contending with Peter and with the, the, the people in the churches of Galatia. We are Jews by nature and not sinners from among the Gentiles. Nevertheless, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but through the faith of Christ Jesus or Christ Jesus's faith. Even we Jews have believed in Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior so that we may be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law since by the works of the law no flesh will be justified. Paul is very concerned here that the churches are moving back to law keeping rather than walking by faith. Going back to do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Rather than walking by faith because you love God. It's a complete different relationship. We need to recognize that. And so he goes on and he, we read on in verse 17. But if while seeking to be justified in Christ, we ourselves have also been found sinners. In other words, we're going to go back and use the law to try to get people to righteousness. We ourselves have also been found sinners. Is Christ then a minister of sin? May it never be. For if I rebuild what I have once destroyed, I destroyed the, the condemnation of the law through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ as I entered into the new covenant and the relationship with Jesus Christ through faith. Why do I want to go back to rebuild? For if I rebuild what I once destroyed, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. Now verse 20. Because I have been crucified with Christ, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in this flesh, this body, I live by the faith of the Son of God, the one who loved me and delivered himself up for me. The convictions of Jesus Christ must be my convictions. The faith, the trust, complete and total trust in God that Jesus had must be my trust. We are called to manifest the faith of Christ, his convictions, his trust in, his reliance upon, and his obedience to his Father and his word. Remember, Jesus never said anything unless the Father said it to him. And Jesus never did anything unless the Father showed him that would, should be done. That's what Jesus says. And that's how Jesus lived. And so by faith he walked because he loved his father and was willing to do his will brethren what about second corinthians in chapter four turn there please second corinthians in chapter four the faith of christ will produce in us the character the manifestation of his life so when people meet us they actually end up meeting a Christ one, Christian, a Christ one, one living in Christ. You know, we talk about this world's not my home. Amen. We sing that song. Don't worry, I'm not going to burst out in song on that one. I know you're waiting for me to do it. 
I'm not going to do it. Yeah, woohoo! World's not my home. I'm not going to do that. Stop tempting me. <laughs> we need to recognize and understand just how important that is. Our citizenship is not here. Our citizenship is in heaven. That means we've been born again. We're citizens of heaven. We're children of King Jesus. We're children of God. We're no longer mere mortals, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians and chapter 3. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse 1, listen carefully to what is spoken here. <clears throat> Therefore, since we have this ministry, as was shared by Scott, a ministry of reconciliation, a ministry of the Spirit of Christ. That's the context in chapter 3 and chapter 5. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we received mercy by God's grace through Jesus Christ, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced the things hidden because of shame, not walking in craftiness or adulterating the word of God. We've given all that up. But by the manifestation of truth, but by the manifestation of Jesus, who is the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God, and even if our gospel's veiled, even if people can't see the glory of the good news of Jesus Christ, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world, that's the Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord and ourselves as your bondservants for Jesus' sake. By the way, Jesus, Jesus was that humble and most awesome servant of God. So it's okay to be a bondservant of God uh, to manifest his character. For God who said light shall shine out of darkness on the first day is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. The face of Christ is manifest in his body. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. Are you ready for the next verse? Look at verse eight. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, literally killed, but not destroyed, always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus so that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our body. Caring about in the body the dying of Jesus? What kind of death did Jesus die? He died to sin once for all, that we might live to God. Consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus, it says in Romans 6. And so, always caring about in the body the dying of Jesus, so the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our body. For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake, so the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our mortal flesh. Brethren, the life of Jesus manifests in our mortal flesh. I think this is mortal flesh. It says this mortal will be clothed with immortality, on the last day when Jesus returns. So this is mortal flesh. Jesus is manifest through this mortal flesh. You know, and you've heard me say this so many times, and it's truth. You know why people don't want to be a Christian or don't ever want to come to a church building? is because of the hypocrites there. The hypocrites there. The second law of momentum has to do with being sincere and genuine and real and authentic as Jesus was. 
And what's the goal of our instruction? Love from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere, genuine faith, the faith of Jesus Christ. When people see that, then they know that you and I are the real deal. We're not some of those who are, who are what? Doing shameful things in the dark and adulterating the word of God for our own advantage. We're not doing that. Brethren, how important it is then to have the faith of Jesus Christ. What about hope in God? In point number two, this, or point number one, the second part, hope in God. Through our faith and trust in God, we are filled with a confident, joyful expectation of Christ's return, the great reward we'll receive, and the resurrection unto eternal life. And that should be manifest in our lives. There must be joy. Joy because of what God has promised, and he can't break a promise. Remember, by two unchangeable things, we have hope. A hope that's secure and steadfast beyond the veil in heaven. We are seated with him in the heavenly places, brethren. I hope you're embracing that truth. But see, it's so important for us to recognize God promised it and God can't lie by two unchangeable things. He makes a promise. He can't go back on his promise. And he can't lie about it either. So if he says that if you follow the scripture in being faithful and obedient to the gospel, I got you secure in heaven and I'm securely in your heart. You're mine. I don't know about you, but that's great joy. That's why Paul could sing when he's in prison. That's why Paul could get up out of the pit after being stoned and left for dead and go to the next town and doing what? Preaching the gospel. And then going back to the town where they stoned him to do what? Encourage the brethren. He wasn't crazy. He was absolutely faithful and had hope because God is faithful and he promised and can't lie. We need to be convinced of that, brethren. You know, we go back to Hebrews chapter 10 like we did last week. Remember last week, Hebrews chapter 10? I'll tell you what, Hebrews chapter 10, we have not experienced. But many brethren around the world have experienced Hebrews chapter 10. And I don't know if we'll experience it or not. But we must have a like faith as Jesus had, like those who've gone on before us had, and like so many brethren around the world have. But how are people really going to know? You're going to have a happy little face, joyful little face. That's nice. You're going to have strong convictions, absolutes in your life. That's nice. But you know what really is going to touch the heart? What's really going to touch the heart is going to be the love that you have continually, no matter how things shake out. Go with me before we turn to our point number two. Go with me back to the first Peter in chapter three. You know, this hope transitions into love. This hope really does transition into love. When we take a look at first Peter chapter three and, and verse 13 and following, look at the context of our being willing to, def to defend the hope that is evident in us. We are not hopeless. We are not a hopeless people. But those outside of Christ are hopeless. 
You know, the only people that survive in a concentration camp outside of Christ are those who have visions and pictures and plans for the future. That's proven over and over and over again. There was a Jewish philosopher, or not philosopher, a psychologist that was imprisoned in Nazi Germany, and he was one of the few in the, one of the death camps that survived. And he said he did, he did research while he was in that prison. He had nothing else to do except for being beaten. And he just would communicate with the prisoners in there. And the ones who had dreams of the future, hopes of the future, and plans for the future are those who continued steadfastly and did, didn't die because they just gave up. They kept fighting and fighting and fighting for life. And he was one of them. He wrote a book. That's where I got the information. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Powerful, powerful understanding. But we have hope, secure and steadfast, one that's entered within the veil. And so take a look now at this passage of Scripture. 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning in verse 13. Who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. And do not fear their intimidation and do not be troubled, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart, always being ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence and keep a good conscience so that in the thing in which you are slandered those who revile your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame for it is better if God should will it so that you suffer for doing what is right rather than for doing what is wrong suffering for doing the will of God it's the will of God that you love people it's the will of God that we be the example of the love of Jesus Christ Remember when Paul was in jail, having been mercilessly beaten and then thrown in the inner prison, and then God opened the jailhouse up and the jailer ran in, the one, the very one who threw him in the inner prison, one of the participants in his beating and his imprisonment and his suffering, he comes in trembling and says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Now, if Paul did not love God and love people, he would have said, sorry, dude. You're going to have to figure that out on your own. You made me hurt. My God's going to make you hurt. So, figure it out on your own. I'm going to the next town. He didn't do that, did he? He laid the gospel plan of salvation out to that man, and that man and his family were saved that night. The cool thing was is they became dearest brothers instead of enemies because he loved them. Brethren, this is the kind of love that's really going to change people up. Let's turn to point number two now in your lessons. And notice point number two. Christ's love is the greatest influence or the love of Christ changes people's lives. And those people who've loved me in Christ in spite of myself have been the ones who've had the greatest influence on my life. Now I'm going to go through a couple scriptures real quick and then we're going to slow down and we're going to look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Let's go to Galatians in chapter 5 and verse 6. 
many of you know this one, and we've said it so many times, but it's, it never gets old. If you are in Christ Jesus this morning, if you are a Christian and you're in Christ Jesus, seated with him in the heavenly places, and Christ is in you, this scripture applies to you. The only thing that matters in this life, this scripture applies to you. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 6, it says, For in Christ, in Christ, and if you're a Christian, you're in Christ. For in Christ, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything, but faith working through love. Real faith will manifest itself in the love of Jesus Christ. The, the faith of Christ will manifest the love of Christ. What was Jesus doing when he was on the cross? And those men were hurling abuse and they had just mercilessly beaten him. The, the Roman called it the little death. And he survived that. And if I understand crucifixion correctly, how could he get enough air to say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He had to suffer to be able to get enough air to ask God to forgive them. That's powerful in my picture. Faith working through love, the faith of Jesus Christ, Galatians 2.20, working through love, the one who loved me and delivered himself up for me. That's what it says in Galatians 2.20. What about Ephesians 5 and verse 1 and 2? Ephesians 5 verse 1 and 2. Are you a Christian this morning? Are you a child of God this morning? Well, this scripture applies to you and to me as well. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love just as in the exact same way as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. Our metal is going to be tested. We're going to love all men? No, I don't think so. I don't know. I'm, my medal's going to be tested. Our medal's going to be tested. Are we going to love like Jesus Christ loved? You know, you don't know until you have to decide. We've not had to decide But the day may come where we have to decide. Do you have the faith of Christ? Do you have the hope eternal so that you can love as Jesus Christ loved? Imitators of Christ's sacrificial love. Luke chapter 19. You know, I thought there's so many passages that talk about Jesus's love for those not yet Christian and, of course, love for those who are Christians. You know, I think of, I think of ones like the woman at the well. What an amazing love he had for her. About the prostitute that comes in and pours uh, perfume on his feet, the love that he had for her. You know, the, the, and, of course, the Simon, the Pharisee, you know, he's the religious man. He, he cared nothing for Jesus. He who loves little is forgiven little. 
But this woman loved much, therefore she's forgiven much. But I wanted to pick one where really the person really did not have any need except for a spiritual need. Take a look. Luke chapter 19, beginning in verse 1. He entered Jericho and was passing through, and there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was and was unable because of the crowd, for he was a small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree in order to see Jesus, for he was about to pass through that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for today I must stay at your house. And he, Zacchaeus, hurried and came down and received him gladly with great rejoicing, is what that means. When they saw it, when the crowd saw it, and they all knew who Zacchaeus was, when the crowd saw it, they all began to grumble, saying, he has gone to the guest of a man who's a sinner. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give you back four times as or I'll give them back four times as much. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. What do we know about this man Zacchaeus? Besides, he was short. Everybody, everybody remembers he's short. He's a short guy. He was so short that he, he couldn't see, and he had to climb a tree to see Jesus. You can see him hanging over the branch, looking at Jesus coming down the way. But he was a chief tax collector, meaning he was, he was the, one of the big kahunas. He's making big bucks. And uh, he was rich, it says, very rich. And... Uh, it's rather interesting. He had an interest in Jesus. You know, a lot of people had an interest in Jesus for a whole host of different reasons. A lot of them wanted to see a sign. A lot of them wanted breakfast or dinner, as the case may be, free, as you well know. Thousands of them wanted free dinner or free breakfast. But Zacchaeus didn't have any of those needs. He's rich, filthy rich. He's in a place of great power and influence. He can make life, people's lives miserable, all right? So here's the question I have. What did Jesus give to Zacchaeus? Well, you say, well, he gave him eternal life. Why? How do you know that? It says, today salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. But what did Jesus actually give to him? In this scenario, before salvation came. But there's something that goes along with friendship even more basic. Time. And, as I have down here, the only two things I can see here is time and attention. There's a million people who want to talk with Jesus, a million. They're all lying on the streets. And Jesus takes the time to stop and give him his undivided attention. So much so, I want to spend some time with you. That's all Jesus, he never met Jesus, obviously. So Jesus gave him his attention and his time. 
That's all I can see here. He didn't promise him eternal life. Just gave him attention and time. It was Zacchaeus, the one that had to choose to repent. It's Zacchaeus who had to choose to embrace Jesus as the Christ. Jesus gave him time and attention and became his dear friend and brother. You can't build a relationship without time or attention. So I'll grant that one to you there, Mr. Eric. Okay. I was just thinking about him being in society. He was kind of oh, probably not too many people reached out to him. He didn't want to die. <laughs> yeah, IRS guys, you don't ever call them. Like, hey, you want to do coffee? You just don't do that very often. I've never done that. <laughs> Called my my tax preparer quite a bit, but not the tax guy. That's a good point. You can't build a relationship without time and you can't build a relationship without attention. Can't do it. Time and attention. What did Zacchaeus give to Jesus? I don't see anything here. But he did give him something. Notice what Zacchaeus says here. Verse 8, Zacchaeus stopped after he heard people grumbling to Jesus about him being a sinner. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. He's a tax gatherer. How do they make their money? He was giving a lot of money away. You know what he really gave Jesus? It's not spoken there, but he gave Jesus his heart. You are my Lord, my master. I will do what I know your heart's desire is. I will become a man of integrity, and I'm going to start right here. Half of my possessions I'm going to give to the poor. I'm not going to cling to that which I cannot keep for that which I cannot lose. And if I have defrauded anybody, I'm going to give them four times as much. In essence, he was going to become a poor man in this world, but a rich man in heaven. What did Jesus give to Zacchaeus? His time and attention, that's all. And it changed Zacchaeus' eternity. You're saying, no, no, there's no word love here. Well, you know Jesus loved him. Jesus created that little guy. That little midget of a man. And he loved that little cute guy. Even though his heart was as black as black could be, he still loved him. And he stopped and gave his attention and his time. And Zacchaeus, when he came to realize, as everybody is grumbling, maybe he had heard, had heard it before, but now in the face of Jesus, he hears he's a sinner. He wants the relationship with Christ. And Christ opened the door. Now, how is a relationship with Jesus going to happen today? Jesus isn't around 
Well, if we live by the faith of Christ and have hope in God, people are going to ask as they see our love as we give them time and attention. It's that simple. Time and attention. I've told this story before, but the story continues to grow. And I love this story. And stop it and asking John West if I could mow or help him rake leaves. Yesterday, I spent the whole day with him. And the more I spend with him, the more I so appreciate his heart. He's a gentle man. And people have kind of written him off. I'm not saying you. I'm not saying us. It was so fun to drive around in his truck talking. Talking about the Lord. Talking about he doesn't have much time. Talking about these are the last few days I'll get to go hunting. And you know, yesterday I had so much fun cutting firewood with him cutting firewood he reminds me a lot of my dad because my dad had one of those air things and my dad got to a place where he couldn't do much work and so it was pretty fun because he measured them and I cut them and I lifted them into the truck and we were working together just time and attention and I get to spend eternity with him now. But that's how it's been with a lot of folks, just time and attention. You know, we need to love like Jesus. doesn't matter if you know everything about the book. What matters is, are you going to give your time and attention to folks? That's what changed Zacchaeus' life. Will you do that? You know what the Bible says right before the destruction of Jerusalem? Jesus was warning that right near the end, the love of many will grow cold. I don't have time for you because I got to get ready. I don't have time for you because I got to hunker in my bunker. I don't have time for you because I got to take care of my own. I don't have time for you because I got to do this. You know what? That's exactly, unfortunately, what ended up happening. And if you know anything about the destruction of Jerusalem, Jesus says that tribulation was worse than ever had been or ever will be. But we see people stepping away from people right now, don't we? From an emotional standpoint, we see a lot of people stepping away from people. That's the last thing that we should be doing as Christians. We should be stepping into people's lives, giving them a call, asking them how they're doing, writing notes, cards, going and visiting. Wearing a mask if need be. So important. Because as I said before, statistically what we're finding is that suicides are going up, domestic violence is going up, people are getting shook to death, they're scared, they're fearful, and you know what they need is they need Jesus to pay a little attention to them and give them a little time. That's all to start with. Are we willing to do that? My prayer is we will. Now, what, is, what does love really look like? 
What does love really look like? Let's get down to brass tacks. What does it really look like? That's a great question. We're going to work on answering that in the next five weeks before the end of the year. What does it really look like? It's practical. It's personal. And it's face-to-face. Heart-to-heart. That's what it looks like. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, we're so deeply thankful for your love for us. Your son, Jesus Christ, came into the world that he might show us how to live as men and women of faith. We bear his name as his bride, Christ, Christian. And we're so deeply thankful, Father, for the rich blessing of life eternal that you've granted to us in your son, Jesus Christ. And we know as priests, royal priests, we're supposed to proclaim the excellencies of him who has called us out of darkness into your marvelous light. Help us, Father, then to realize that statement's for everyone who is a royal priest. That's every Christian. Father, help us to manifest your son's love so that people will be drawn. As things get darker, as things get more confusing, those who have hope secure, those who have faith that is solid and those who have love that is genuine and real, those are the ones who are going to be able to draw people out of the darkness. Help us to recognize that, Father, for these great, these three great influencers for other people's lives. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, why don't you stand up? Let's get all excited. What did Jesus say to you? He said to go. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Jesus Christ is still the king of kings. King of kings. All right. Let's go do it. Thanks once again for listening. To download today's lesson plan or find out more about Cornerstone Truth Podcast and our church, please go to www.cornerstonetruth.org or email us at thecornerstonetruth at gmail.com. Have a blessed week.